are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We've got a lot to talk about. So much that went down last night in the NBA and the NHL. Once again, got news and notes and statistics for you. The NFL schedule came out, and exactly what I told you would happen literally happened 15 minutes after the schedule release happened on ESPN. It just like clockwork. And today's going to be an even bigger day of it because the schedule release of every team didn't happen till about 8 o'clock Eastern last night. So that gives everybody today to break down the schedules. But I've got that. I've got some hot take stuff that, again, everything I said yesterday about the hot take world was literally happening in real time during the Celtics Sixers game. And I'll explain that to you. You got all that coming up momentarily. Let's start with what happened in Philadelphia last night. Now, remember, yesterday, before this game six, I told you the Boston Celtics, I just laid the statistics out there, the Boston Celtics have won six best-of-seven series when they were trailing three games to two. That's the most in the history of the NBA. In addition, Doc Rivers has lost as a head coach three times when he led a series three games to two. That's the most of any coach in NBA history. Series isn't over, but Boston made a lineup change. They decided to insert Robert Williams into the starting lineup. Things changed, and yet it was still a close game. But they ended up pulling away and winning by nine, and we'll take it from about the four-and-a-half-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Because this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the hot take world we live in. If you don't remember, in the NBA Finals last year, Jason Tatum took a lot of heat for how he played. And there was questions this offseason of, is he tough enough? Great regular season player. The All-NBA teams were named yesterday. And Jason Tatum was first-team All-NBA. But there they were. Last night, Boston Celtics down three games to two in Philadelphia. Four and a half minutes left in the game. They are down 83-81. And up to that point, Jason Tatum was 1 for 14 from the field. 0 for 6 from three-point range. I can tell you this. I saw it on social media. And if that game doesn't end the way it does, Jason Tatum has three more months four more months of taking heat in the offseason and being questioned of, is he really, while he might be a first-team All-NBA player, is he a regular season guy? Does he have it? Can he step up in the offseason? It was being written last night with Boston on the verge of losing and Jason Tatum in a 1-for-14 closeout game. He was awful. Not only that, he was turning the ball over. He was making horrible decisions it was bad and you know on top of shooting one for 14 in a closeout game four and a half minutes left down 83 81 then Tatum hits a three up 84 83 next possession down bingo another three 87 83 he hit two more three-pointers in the last four and a half minutes they win the game 95 86 and he hit Four three-pointers after being down 83-81 with four and a half minutes left. 
You know what that means? That they outscored the Sixers 14-3 to to end the game, and 12 of those points were Jason Tatum three-pointers. 16 points overall in the fourth quarter. I mean, it doesn't mean it erases and and he's automatically, oh, what a closer he is. Because for 43 and a half minutes, he was terrible. And the Boston fan base would have absolutely ruined that guy if he finished that game, you know, 1 of 14, 2 of 17, and they lose to the Sixers in six. He would have been crucified and after last year's NBA Finals performance, absolutely would have been questioned of whether or not he's deserving of, one, first-team All-NBA, and two, how good is this guy really in crunch time? But he got it together. He had a great four and a half minutes. He scored 16 points in the fourth quarter, and he's the reason. He's the reason they're going back to Boston for a Game 7. Now, he could lay an egg in Game 7 and Philly win in Game 7 and then you know, we're, we're back talking about it. But for at least two days, Jason Tatum really saved himself a four-month summer of getting bashed. But we're going back to Boston for a Game 7. Philly's already beaten Boston twice in Boston. It's not like they can't win Game 7. They've already won twice there in this series. And I read you the stat yesterday. Celtics are 9-10 and 10 in their last 19 home games. There's no home court advantage on, on, on Saturday, I believe, is when the game is. None. Yeah, Boston's playing at home. It doesn't mean anything. They've already lost twice at home in this series, and they've lost 10 times in the last 19 playoff games in the Boston Garden. So, again, take a coin out and flip it. You have no idea who's showing up. Vegas knew who was winning, not not who was winning, but Vegas was well aware. Boston coming off an embarrassing home loss where they literally trailed by double digits the home game, and now they're on the road in game six in a closeout game for Philly, and they were two-and-a-half-point favorites? Vegas knew, and then Boston clearly covered the spread. So, yeah, it is, um, it's going to be an interesting game seven because – legacies will be made and some will be destroyed. If Tatum doesn't play well, he's going to take some heat. Now, if he plays well and they happen to lose and they lose on a last second shot or it's a close game and they just happen to lose by three or four or five, yeah, Boston fans will be frustrated, but I think they'll probably take it out more on the culture and the coach than they will on Tatum. He just has to play well on Saturday, regardless win or loss. There will be people here and there. If they happen, to, if he plays well and they happen to lose, there will still be people that are like, well, can he carry a team to a title? Is he that guy? He's still young. Give him time. But all I know is last night, sitting at one for 14 with four and a half minutes left in a closeout game, if he doesn't finish the way he does, it was going to be a long offseason for him. In the other game, I mean, the Phoenix Suns, we knew were – it's like they were on borrowed time. It just, they didn't have enough people. They had no depth. Yes, they traded for KD, but they really didn't have a lot of depth at all once they traded for him. They traded too many guys for him. And you could see, yeah, I was surprised they won game three and four at home. I thought they'd win at least one, but Denver should have won game four, and they didn't. And all three home games, Denver won by double digits. It was like, 
It was just a matter of time. Was Are they going to figure out Phoenix on the road? And they did last night. And now that's the second season in a row. Phoenix was in a closeout game. Remember, in the game seven at home against the Dallas Mavericks last year in the Western Conference semis, they were down by 30 at half. Well, they were down by 30 again at one point in last night's game. In the shot clock era, the home team has trailed by 30-plus points in a potential playoff elimination game just three times. Two of them have been Phoenix, and that's been the last two years. The other one was the Milwaukee Bucks in 2015. I don't know what it is, but they need to get more players. They need to get more depth. I think DeAndre Ayton is gone this offseason. He doesn't fit into that team. I don't think he's a very motivated guy, and I don't think that he is long for the Phoenix Suns franchise. But he will be worth something to somebody, and Phoenix can get some guys in return. I think he is absolutely gone, and no way the Suns bring him back. The other thing I wanted to say about that game And this kind of ties into, I mentioned earlier, the first three All-NBA teams were announced. Nikola Jokic ended up on the second team, All-NBA, which is only because you have to do it by position. Next year, that changes. On the All-NBA team this year, you have to have two guards, you have to have two forwards, and a center. It's just so stupid. Just pick the five best players and go from there. But they didn't. So Nikola Jokic ends up on the second team. And everybody knows that the MVP vote this year was either Jokic, Giannis, or Joel Embiid. You couldn't have go, gone wrong with any of the three. We, we broke this down a couple weeks ago. But the voting numbers came out yesterday, and every single voter in the NBA, all-NBA voting, had Jokic, Giannis, and um, I'm sorry, MVP voting. Everybody had Jokic, Jokic Giannis, and Embiid top three in some order, except for one guy, and he had him not even in his top five list, and that happened to be Mark Jackson, the ABC commentator. Mark Jackson had Joel Embiid, Giannis, Jason Tatum, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Donovan Mitchell as his top five MVP ballot. He didn't even have Nikola Jokic in his top five MVP ballot, and he's getting destroyed, which he should. That's so stupid. Like, that's literally one of the dumbest takes you could ever have. You don't think Nikola Jokic, the two-time defending MVP, is a top-five MVP this past season? Do you know that he averaged 24.5 points, 11.8 rebounds, and 9.8 assists? He literally almost averaged a triple-double for the season as a center. And not that the playoffs mean anything when it comes to MVP, MVP voting, because they don't. Voting is done at the end of the regular season. But it's not like he just had a fluky regular season and he gets to the playoffs and fails. Look at his numbers in the playoffs. I'm sorry this is going to be 10 games, but I'm going to rip through it really quick with points, rebounds, and assists. You ready? 10 straight games. 27, 9-9. 20-11-12. 43-11-6. 28-17-12. 24, 19, and 5, 39, 16, and 5, 30, 17, and 17, 53, 4, and 11, 29, 13, and 12, 32, 10, and 12. Those have been his numbers for 10 playoff games. Eight games, he's he's gotten at least 10 rebounds. One of the games was nine. And every game, he's had at least five assists with 
One, two, three, four, five, six of the ten being double-digit assist games. Uh, one nine-assist game, a six-assist game, and two five-assist games. Not to mention the point total. I don't know what the average is. They don't have it averaged out here, but just eyeballing it, he's close to he's high 20s. It's probably 27, 28 a game. Rebounds is over 11 or 12 a game. Assists, close to double digits. I mean, he's just it, – it, there's like no drop-off whatsoever from what he did in the regular season to what he did he's doing in the 10 games he's played in the postseason. They're going to be a tough out for sure. I mean, they're in the Western Conference Finals, and it's going to be Lakers Nuggets or Warriors Nuggets. I think the La- – I still think – I mean, look, while they have been great – they, you know, they beat a Minnesota team that barely made it in the playoffs, and they beat a Phoenix team that had two players. The Lakers are the best defensive team in the NBA, statistics-wise, or I think they're in top three. And the, and the Warriors, if they happen to play the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, are we know who the Warriors are. They're defending NBA champions, won the title four of the last eight years. They've been there, done that. Denver is still fairly new to this. They made it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble and lost to the Lakers in five games. But I still think my 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 stance hasn't changed. I think the winner of the Lakers-Warriors series is winning the NBA title. That's just how I think. No matter who they play in the East, whether it's the Knicks, the Heat, Celtics, or Sixers. And I think the Lakers beat any of those four teams in the finals, and I think the Warriors beat any of those four teams in the finals. Should be a very interesting, interesting rest of the NBA playoffs. Tonight, game six, back in L.A. Lakers obviously need to win, and they will have another chance if they do happen to lose. I don't see the Lakers losing three in a row, and as much as I would like to possibly see a game seven between these two teams, I think the Lakers close it out tonight. I have no idea what the score is going to be. I have no idea if they're going to blow them out, if it's going to be a close game. It's impossible to know because of how I've told you how the referees decide to referee the game. If they're calling it close and everything is a touch foul, Golden State has no chance. Golden State also has no chance if Clay doesn't break out of his slump. If Clay plays well and Golden State gets contributions from their bench on the road, they can hang in there. But if the refs are calling this tight and Draymond picks up two quick fouls in the first six minutes of the game, they're probably done for. We'll have to see. All right, let's talk a little NFL schedule release. Oh, the bane of my existence. Okay, so stuff started leaking out during the day. We started hearing about some of the primetime games. We started hearing about what are the three Christmas Day games, what are the three Thanksgiving Day games, or four Thanksgiving Day games, and we got those. In case you haven't heard, uh, Christmas Day, which is – oh, gosh, let me fast forward to my calendar here. Christmas is on a Monday this year. Okay, so three games on that Monday, and they are Raiders at Chiefs, Giants at Eagles, Ravens at 49ers. Our Thanksgiving Day games, two divisional ones, Packers at Lions, Commanders at Cowboys, and then the night game is 49ers at Seahawks. And then this year, because NFL is king, they decided, let's have a Black Friday game. So the next day we're going to have another game, and that's Dolphins at Jets, another divisional matchup. Hell, 49ers and Seahawks. So everything on Christmas Day and Black Friday is a divisional matchup. 
So we started hearing stuff leak out, and teams were releasing their videos, schedule release videos. I think most of them are dumb. Everyone seems to be thinking these are the greatest creations ever. I, I just thought they were, I don't know, just, it's like, like I said, I, I know I'm repeating myself here, but it's like I said the other day. It's like we already knew who they were playing. All you're doing in these release videos is giving us the order. Like it doesn't, it didn't change the fact that they still have eight home games, nine away games, these division games, these road games. It, does the date of when they, then they're being played really matter? No, not really. But you know, if you're an NBA, NBA, if you're an NFL fan of a team and you just live and die by what the Bears do, you probably thought their schedule release video was funny. I don't know. I thought it was stupid, but whatever the case may be, here was my favorite thing, and that was. The show started on ESPN2, the schedule release show, and they're just breaking down some of the top games, and you know ESPN has Monday Night Football, so they're like, let's look at Saturday, let's look at all of the September Monday Night games, and what's the best one here, and let's look at October's Monday Night games. What do you think is the one to look forward to in here? It's like, they're all good games. It's like, it's so dumb, but my favorite part of the night, they bring on Joe Buck, who obviously is the play-by-play guy for ESPN Monday Night Football. And they bring on Joe Buck, and they said, Joe, one of the best games of the year. You guys got the Super Bowl rematch. Philadelphia at Kansas City, Monday night, November 20th. And somebody asked him, I think it was Ryan Clark, who I love. Ryan Clark is an excellent, excellent broadcaster and an excellent NFL analyst. However, just it was I my eyes started bleeding and uh, and my ears started bleeding when they have Joe Buck on. They say November twentieth, you got the Super Bowl rematch, Philadelphia, Kansas City. Joe, this was his question: What are you looking forward to in that one? <laughs> what are you looking forward to in a Super Bowl rematch? Oh, I don't know, just watching the game. <laughs> it's just it's the Eagles Chiefs in Kansas City. What do you mean? What am I looking forward to? The game, yeah, it's just like I. The, the, first off, the game's six months away. We don't need to sit in, sit here, and give, and you know, I don't expect Joe to give an analysis of the game because he has nothing to go off of other than what happened the previous year. Kansas City has made some changes; they've gotten some new players in. Philadelphia lost some guys on defense, but have filled in with some guys on defense. It's like, it's, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. You're judging games six months before they happen. You have no idea. What if Patrick Mahomes, you know, knock on wood, I don't want him to get hurt, but what if Patrick Mahomes breaks his leg in week two? You know, it's like I understand they have to fill their hours with content on ESPN and have a schedule release show where they're like, oh, Cowboys, Eagles, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, a good one because they play twice every year. They're in the same division. Like, it's no different. We all know that. The Cowboys and Eagles are going to play each other twice a year. Does it matter if it's in September or October or November or December? No, it doesn't. And Dallas is going to play them once in Dallas, and Dallas is going to play them once in Philly. Like, It's just mind-numbingly stupid how much they talk about games that are six months away and of the order that they come in. And, to, and today, when you're listening to local sports talk radio, when you're listening to debate shows, I'm sure there's good. Well, locally, you're going to hear your local talk show hosts go down all 17 games and try and predict their team's win-loss win loss record this year, which is just about the biggest effort and futility you could possibly think of. And then you're going to have the national speaking heads say, 
Well, this is going to be a great Thursday night game for Amazon Prime. Can't wait to see this one. Um, you know, uh, Josh Allen going up against, you know, the first Monday night game of the year. Bills at Jets. Josh Allen against Aaron Rodgers in his first regular season game, not in a Packer uniform. What do we expect? We have no idea what to expect. He's barely even practiced with his new team. We have no idea how good the Jets are going to be. We can only go off last year of how good the Bills are going to be. That doesn't translate year to year. Everything is different. It does not mean anything what happened the year before. We know this because playoff turnover in the NFL is literally 50% every year. Even though going into the season, you're like, man, how can this team not make the playoffs? Trust me, they won't, as will three or four other teams that you think are a given to make the playoffs. They won't make it. And three or four teams that didn't make it last year will fill those spots and make it, and you'll be like at the end of the year, wow, didn't see them as a playoff team. <laughs> you might want to just start looking because it's going to happen. I'll get the numbers as we get closer to NFL season, but the NFL playoff turnover is literally almost 50% every year for the last, I want to say like 10 or 12 years. It's crazy how much turnover there is. So keep an eye on that. I've got your first gambling tip for you. How about this? We already have a gambling tip, and the first games are not till the week of September, the weekend of September 10th. So the first game of the year, Thursday night, September 7th. I'll be in Las Vegas that day for Guys Weekend, and I'll be there. The Thursday night game was announced. Lions at the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. We know that the Super Bowl champion always hosts the opener on night one on Thursday night. They're taking – they could have gotten the Eagles. There's probably a scheduling reason as to why they didn't put the Eagles in that role. They gave them the Lions, up-and-coming team. The over-under for that game has been set already. There's Lions already out for week one. But the over-under in week one, and I'm bringing this up for a reason, in Lions-Chiefs is 54. Pretty high total, right? Here's your first gambling stat four months in advance for the NFL week one, in particular this game. The last 11 years in week one, the Detroit Lions have gone over whatever the total was. In the last eight years in week one, the Kansas City Chiefs are 7-0-1 to the over. So 19 games the over has hit 18 the over is 18 0 and 1 between these two teams in week 1 again does it mean that on september 7th whatever the total ends up being in that game that it's going to go over between the lions and the chiefs no but it's a pretty good trend a pretty good statistic the lions have gone over 11 years in a row on week 1 the chiefs have gone over 7 of the 8 years the other one was a push now Week one totals of over 50 points in week, uh, game one totals of over 50 points in week one. The first game of the year, if there was a total of 50 or more in week one, it has gone over nine times out of 16. No, that's sorry. That, sorry, that's just week one. And for your information, when the total is over 50 in week one, the road team is 11 and four against the spread. So that's taking into account, I believe Kansas City is a seven point favorite over the Lions right now. But that's neither here nor there. Plenty of time to break down that game. But 
And trends and trends can be looked at any way, but I think that this is a solid trend because this shows in week one, for whatever reason, the Lions' offense seems to be humming and their defense seems to be a little behind if 11 straight years they've gone over the total in week one. Means they probably put up some points and gave up some points. I know the last two years I've bet them uh, plus the points and they've covered both games in week one. And both games went way over. San Francisco two years ago, Buffalo last year. I'm almost positive it was Buffalo at Detroit last year. And then you got Kansas City. Like I said, seven of the last eight years, they've gone over in week one with one push. So it's just showing it's more of a situational um, statistic, you know? Because it's just a week one, this team just happens to go over. And I don't, it's, I'd say that's a fairly, that's fairly big sample size there. If I were to tell you, yeah, the last three years in week one, the lines have gone over, you'd be like, eh, but 11 years in a row? (laughs) Now, granted, they set the total high, 54 points is very high, but trust me, I'll remind you as we get closer. If you can put a bet in now, I'd probably bet it now, because I have a feeling that that total will go up, because... I don't know why anybody would look at that statistic and decide, yeah, I want to go under when neither team has gone under in the last, you know, 11 years for the Lions and eight years for the Chiefs. So um, some people like to play contrarian and will bet the under, but I have a feeling because this this statistic can't be avoided. It's going to be thrown out there as we get closer to the NFL season. Everybody's going to know about this statistic. So, I just think the average fan, the average Joe who sees that is going to look at it and say, oh, bet the over. And it doesn't mean that sometimes the public does win. But everyone knows this statistic now, so just keep that in mind. You can play contrarian if you'd like, but I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to be, you know, bet with the public, and uh, I guarantee the public's going to be all over the over. So this might jump up to 55 or 56 by game time. I don't know. We'll see. I know I say that a lot. I don't know. We'll see. But I do have a feeling it's going to go up. What it closes at, I don't know, 54 and a half, 55, 55 and a half, 56. I don't know. I just know that Lions games have really gone over the total in the last 11 years in week one. So keep an eye on that. And Chiefs as well, like I said, seven of eight. So keep that in mind. I will remind you definitely as we get closer to NFL season. Anyway, Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. I didn't even get to the NHL tonight. Um, stars went uh, here. I'll just end with this statistic in the NHL. You saw it. They played it at the end of the Stars game. If you didn't see the Stars game, they won 5-2 against the Seattle Kraken. They're up three games to two in that series. Game six Saturday in Seattle. NHL playoff history. When a series is tied at two, The Game 5 winner goes on to win the series 79% of the time. The Game 5 winner is 228 and 61. So that's basically 80% of the time. You win Game 5 in a 2-2 series, you're probably going to win this series. So this bodes well for the Stars, but it still doesn't guarantee anything. But just another statistic where you're like, okay, Stars got two chances to win one game now, and that's all they need to do. So just wanted to throw that statistic out there Statistic out there for you for uh, NHL. I don't think any other series are. Oh, yeah, Vegas and Edmonton is 2-2. So that game is tonight, game five, back in Vegas. So that's obviously something to keep an eye on. Carolina Panthers closed out their series, 
And what was the other? And uh, Florida is up, what, three games to one on Toronto, right? Yeah. So they're looking to close out that series tonight. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Always much appreciated. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.